Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are in the second part of this ninth part of the series about the grace of giving. Last Sunday, um, we began by really understanding uh, just a heart of generosity. God is a generous God. We read from Acts chapter two about how people sold their possessions and they gave and they, and they just absolutely had a heart to bless other people. We really began last Sunday really understanding that there is a poverty mindset which runs the world and there's all these nasty attitudes in a poverty mindset. Life's not fair. I'm a victim. If they've got more, I've got less. If they've got a big salary, it's not fair because I've only got a small one and all this sort of comparative stuff which is really a poverty type of a mindset. We understood that really the Lord Jesus Christ lived an abundant life in every part of his life because he lived the perfect life. So he lived lived under the hand and the blessing of Almighty God. We also began by um, understanding the fact that God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance and there are principles of abundance. That's really what we are going into today. So we've understood about a poverty mindset. We've understood that God's kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. But now I'm going to go into really understanding the fact that there are principles of abundance. And I'm just going to read, I've got about half a dozen things here. The first thing, there is a principle of abundance. There's a number of them in the Bible. And the first one is very clearly this. There is a law of sowing and reaping. There is a law of sowing and reaping. And the Bible actually says, do not be deceived. Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. Whatever somebody sows, whatever. And when you read that word in the Bible, it means what it says. Whatever you sow, this is going to happen in every part of your life. If you sow joy, you're going to reap joy. If you sow forgiveness, you're going to reap forgiveness. If you sow apples, you're not going to reap oranges. You're going to reap what you sow. It says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. And the thing is, so many people are deceived about this. So many Christians are deceived about this. Ah, oh, you don't believe that if you sow something, you're going to reap it. Yeah, I absolutely do. And when I have a need in my life, when I have a need, and I said this sort of earlier on, I'm not going to go to God on the basis of my need. Because if I go to God on the basis of my need, he's going to talk to me about sowing seed. He's not going to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll clear that up for you. I'll sort out your need for you. You know what he'll say? He'll say, why don't you look for opportunities in other people's lives to sow seed. If I've got a need of peace in my life, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find somebody else and do everything I can to bring peace into their life. Because I don't think about my own need, I think about seed into somebody else's life. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. God works always in everything by seed, time and harvest. Six things in the Bible that the Bible clearly says are seed. God's word is seed. God's kingdom is seed. Faith is seed. Even finances are seed. The Bible says the sons of the kingdom are seed and Jesus Christ himself is a seed. The Bible's clear about those things. I could go to chapter and verse. Each one, even the church of Jesus Christ, is the harvest of the seed of Jesus Christ who was sown into the ground and didn't abide alone. He was raised from the dead and the harvest is the church. Even our individual lives are seed. As we go into our world, as we sow our lives into the lives of others, as we sow our lives into our offices and our schools and our 
areas that we're involved in, then I can believe God for a harvest of souls as I sow my life into the lives of people around me. Finances are a seed. Faith is a seed. Faith doesn't just come. You know, Almighty God just doesn't give you faith. You grow your faith by acting on it and by believing for it and hearing the word of God. All these things are seed. God does everything by seed. These are principles of abundance in the kingdom of God. What's another principle? That our character and our godliness is absolutely central to living the blessed life. You cannot expect to live in financial abundance if you live from a place of compromise. It's not that God is there saying, well, I'm not going to bless you. It's that we put barriers up. We're not going to live the blessed life if we're living a life of compromise. The things don't, why? Because what you sow, you're going to reap. If I sow compromise, I'm going to reap compromise. If I live in an area of sinfulness in my life, I'm not going to reap the blessing of God. Now, that doesn't mean to say we all have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's this heart attitude on the inside that we need a heart for God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Isn't that a great verse? Matthew chapters 5, 6, 7, that great sermon of the mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything the Gentiles seek. And he said what it was, what they wear, what they eat. I could say this, the house they live in and the car they drive. If you seek first the kingdom of God, all the stuff the Gentiles seek, God's going to see to it that you reap the harvest. But if you seek those things, then you're really getting into an area of compromise in your life and getting into a wrong spirit, really, hungry for things. Then you know what? It's not going to go well for you. What's another important thing in the principle of abundance is this. We need to have the wisdom of God. If you read the book of Proverbs and, you know, really all the way through the Bible, the Bible says if you cry out for wisdom, how to do things God's way, you know what's going to have in the left hand and the right hand is abundant life and including finances. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's really important that we know how to do it God's way. A part of God's insight into these things is that we need a job. We need to work hard. Don't think you're ever going to be lazy and live in the abundance of God. It's not that just we put an offering in a bucket and we suddenly live in abundance. No, there's other things involved. We need to budget. We need to understand things. We need to be wise with what we have and understand we're stewards of everything that we have. It's not that just 10%, you know, belongs to God and the rest of it belongs to me. No, it all belongs to God. How do you want me to handle my finances, Lord? How do you want me to, you know, perhaps I'm going ahead of myself just a little bit, but, you know, how do you want me to do this? What's another thing that we need to understand in the principles of abundance? And that is we need to get away from a mindset of I need a miracle. Now, last week I talked about the power of miracles. But the point is, God doesn't want us to live by him always having to get us out of a mess. I need a miracle. Come and get your miracle. You know, that's a bit like, you know, I'm okay. Then something goes wrong. God does a miracle. I get it up to normality, then something goes wrong again, God does a miracle and I get back up to normality and it's a bit like this. That's not the life of the blessed life that God wants us to have. Jesus Christ himself, I don't think ever needed, well, apart from when he was out there on the water, but he never, you know, he didn't go to the Father and say, oh God, I need a breakthrough, God, I need a breakthrough. He lived to provide superabundance for everybody else. And it's important that we don't have this mindset that God will always do something for me to get me out my mess. He will get us out the mess. But you know what? The blessed life 
is a life of harvest. Thank God for the times that God gets us out of our mess. But from that point on, in everything God does, there's always a seed in the middle of it for us to sow that seed for a harvest so we can live above this lifestyle of problem and resolution, problem, you know, God wants us to live in the abundance that he has for us. When he talks to us about a seed, it's because he's thinking for the future. If I think, oh, I can't afford to sow a seed right now, I can't afford to bless somebody else, you know what we're doing? We're absolutely destroying our abundance tomorrow, our harvest for tomorrow. Come on, we gotta live by this harvest mentality, not by God needs to break through in my life mentality. What's another principle of abundance? I know I'm going really quickly here, but um, another central principle is the principle of tithing. 10% of all our increase. It's absolutely central to our relationship with God. It's not just Old Testament law. It was in the Garden of Eden. It was with Abram. It was the, it was the Jericho victory. That was a tithe. Uh, I haven't got time to go through it today online, but you know, the tithe is our relationship with God. Abram, the first thing he did when he had the bread and wine for the new covenant that the Lord Jesus Christ came to ratify, the first thing he did was give a tithe of everything to the high priest. Why? It's the response of the new covenant is to tithe. But it, it isn't correct to think, well, just 10% is God's and the rest is mine. No, it's all God's. And I demonstrate that by saying, here's a tithe. And the tithe is actually saying, there's 10% to say everything belongs to God. Really powerful. God's hand is on everything if we present the tithe. The Bible says, don't rob God. Now, I know that's under the law, but can you see the heart of God? It's saying, come on, if you want the blessing of God upon every part of your life, don't rob him with your stewardship. What's another principle of abundance? And that's this from Genesis 26 from Isaac. Do not go down to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. Everybody said, oh, there's a famine. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it the world's way. But God said to Isaac, don't do that. Stay in the land. Sow seed. And it says he reaped a hundredfold in the time of famine, in the land of famine, so much so that the Philistines envied him. God is able to cause a harvest to come into our lives in the most horrific of circumstances. Absolutely brilliant. What else is there as a principle of abundance? And that's this. And then we'll go on to point number four, but it's this. The power, and I use that word power, the dunamis, the power is in the giving. Obviously, we're talking about the grace of giving today from Acts 2, people gave. People sold and gave. They were just excited to give. There's power in the giving. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'd just like to explain that a little bit. The word to bless, it doesn't mean it's happier to give than to receive. It's a nicer thing to do to give than receive. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the power is in the giving, it's not in the receiving. That's where the power of God is released. As we give, as we sow, as we bless others, as we empower others, that's where the blessing of God is released. If I want to receive, I'm going to give because that's where I release the power of God for my own harvest to come back. Absolutely brilliant. There is power in giving. And of course, that comes from compassion for other people. That's another huge principle in this whole understanding of the kingdom of abundance. 
is that we live to love. We live to have compassion. It says of Jesus, he had compassion and healed. He had compassion and prayed. He had compassion and gave. And our giving comes from a place of a desire to make other people great. Lastly, as, as we close today, I'd like us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to close really by talking about the grace of giving. And you may think, wow, I thought you'd been talking about it all the way through. Well, I've been really just laying a foundation and now this is going to be really easy to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 to 11. Therefore, I thought it important to exhort you, to encourage you, to stir you. This is the brothers at the Corinthian church. He says, um, to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift. I mean, in today's church, sometimes you'd be really criticized for this. I'm going especially to stir you up about your giving, is what he's saying. He says, you'd, you'd said you'd do it beforehand. You previously promised that it may be prepared as a matter of generosity and not a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Amplified Version there, if I remember rightly, it says, God it will not do without a cheerful giver. God is committed to. God is all over a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving, it says. And God is able to make all grace. There's that word. Do you remember we spoke about this uh, on about the grace of partnership? We partner with the grace. Grace is that incredible thing upon someone's life or the ministry or a, or a family or, a, or an organization to empower them to be what God's called them to be. And it says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Look, look at all the alls there may have an abundance for every good work. Verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your relationship with God while you are enriched in everything for all freedom, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I'd love to go on, but for the sake of time, I won't there. This really clearly tells us that we are to be prepared and we're to be rejoicing in our giving. We're to be prepared. Now, of course, there are times of spontaneity, but God wants this to be structured in our life, to be prepared, to actually start to think about how can I be generous? That's a godly attitude. And to rejoice in this, not to think, oh, I've got to give, or oh, flipping heck the tithe, or whatever it is. No, come on, to rejoice in it. God's, it, okay, I'm sure the bank balance is going to receive the gift. You know, the giving envelope is going to receive the gift, but God's not going to receive a gift that's not given from the heart in joy and in thanksgiving. God entrusts abundance to those who can handle it each according to their ability. I want to talk about the grace of giving, which is really the ability of giving. See, I could give according to my own ability. So I can go to my budget, I can go to my income, my expenditure. I can do all of that and say, you know what? This is my ability to give. Let's say it's 10 pounds. I don't know. 
five pounds, a thousand pounds. That's my ability to give. There's a whole parable in Matthew 25 about the ability to give. And it's actually the Greek word dunamis, which is the power of God. That's this word ability that we're just about to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as well. It's the ability to give. I can give according to my own ability, and that's according to my income, my expenditure, and my budget, and my savings, and my food bill, and the petrol bill. And I can say, well, this is my ability to give. But I've learned that the Christian life is not a life about my own ability. It's about the ability of God. And I want to encourage us today. We've heard about the kingdom of abundance, about poverty mindset. But today, just like last Sunday, we talked about God's ability to do signs and wonders. And it's not my ability, it's God's ability. There is the ability, the grace of giving. And if I want to live in this supernatural realm of abundance, being able to meet people's needs and do far abundantly above what I can do on my own, you know what? I need to step into the grace of giving, not my own ability of giving, but the grace of giving. Read Acts 2 and 4 again. Listen to the grace of God that there was in the church for giving. The grace of giving is God's ability upon our lives to, uh, to sow seed far abundantly above what I could do on my own. When I pull on the grace of God, it means, do you remember the verse we just read? God gives seed to the sower. That was part of the grace of giving, God giving seed to the sower. If I want to have a supernatural harvest, I need supernatural seed as well. That's the grace of giving. I want to encourage us in this grace of giving to be people who are trust, uh, uh, um, who God can trust with his abundance. I wonder, you know, <laughs> bit of a big question really, if God gave me loads, is it going to deceive me? Is it going to cause me to compromise? Or is it going to cause me to be more generous and more godly and more Christian and more from the heart of God? Perhaps I need to go to God and say, God, I really need these areas strengthened in my life. Perhaps you do too. I don't know. Let's be people who can, who can handle the wealth of God. That if God gives us seed to sow, it doesn't suddenly become a dinner out with the family. Nothing wrong with a dinner out with the family, but if I'm praying, God, I really want to meet people's needs, and then God starts to, you know, to give me more and open up the doors of favor in my life. If it's just all spent on me, you know what? I'm not sowing seed. I'm eating my seed. Not a good thing to do all of the time. What's something else in, these, in this grace of giving? I believe God wants to say to us today, think big. Think big. Think big. Along with that, let's work on... <laughs> Have you ever thought about your goals of giving? Have you ever thought about, you know what? I'm going to set goals and targets. I've spoken to people, they really challenge me. And they say, you know what? I want to give X amounts next year. It's over and above my own ability. If I just look at my balance and my, you know, the budget... I can't do it, but I'm going to stretch into the grace of giving. Why? Because I want to meet needs. I want to bless and I want a greater harvest in my life in order for this whole cycle to go again. So I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to set a faith goal for me to give that over the next 12 months. That really challenges me. There have been times in my life I've done that. Other times I haven't. But you know what? I believe God wants to release the grace of giving today. 
The point of today's sermon is this. These people tapped into the grace of giving and did far abundantly above what they could do on their own. I think it's important that we're honest to ourselves and honest with God. Acts chapter 5, we're not going to turn there, is a story of people who were not honest with people and they weren't honest with God. And it's the only account in the New Testament where in the middle of the building shaking and the fire falling, it was the early church, these things were happening. These people lied about their giving. Why on earth they did that? Because they just could have told the truth and nothing would have happened. But you know what? In the middle of the glory, in the middle of the early church, these people would deceive themselves and they were deceiving people about their giving and it didn't end well for them. God didn't judge them. God didn't kill them. God didn't do all that sort of stuff. It was because they, they were compromised in the middle of the glory. Very sad. But isn't that interesting that that was in, in the context of giving. The Bible says, and we're going to close with this, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 7. And this has been a strong one today, but you know what? God is a God of abundance and God wants to load us up with his wealth. And let's just hear this great, great example here of this church. It says, moreover, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God. Here it is. The, the power of God for giving. The grace of God bestowed on the churches there. That in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, so they didn't have anything naturally, they were in a bad position, but it says it resulted, abounded in, the, in their generosity, their overwhelming generosity. For I declare to you that according to their own ability, yes, even beyond their own ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of giving to the saints. And they didn't do it only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, he would also complete this grace of giving in you as well. But just as you abound in everything, in, you abound in the grace of faith, you abound in the grace of speech. You abound in the grace of knowledge. You abound in the grace of all diligence and in your love for us. See to it that you abound in this grace of giving, this grace of being generous also. And then we go on into the rest of the chapter, which I just haven't got time to read. And it goes on to, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Today, absolutely. Has it been a controversial message? Probably. And I'm sure, you know, there are, probably been some people who say, ah, oh, it's just that prosperity thing. But can't you see that God is a giving God? He's a generous God. He's a God full of grace and He wants us to live in His superabundance. The grace of giving. The early church, they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine Fellowship, the breaking of bread prayers, power and signs and wonders. And the church was marked by their generosity. Friend, I want to encourage you today to go to God for the grace of giving. All of us can live in our own ability to give, but my heart today, and I believe God's heart today is this, that we step into the grace of giving in order for us to live 
in the superabundance of God in order to be generous on every occasion, to meet needs, turn our world upside down, absolutely to live the blessed life. God wants us to prosper in all things. He wants to meet all the desires of our heart. Yes, He wants to meet our needs, but He wants to go so much further than that. He wants us to live the blessed life in all its abundance. But you know what? It comes from the heart of God, which is this, the grace of giving. Can I ask us to pray right now as I ask God, if you're saying, God, I'm hungry for this, absolutely. Perhaps you've been living in such a struggled life for so long. Well, can I say God has, has a promise for you of a blessed life? Perhaps there's something there of the wisdom of God or, or, you know, just different things that I've said today. Perhaps there's some stuff God wants to undo of the poverty mindset, whatever it is today. Perhaps you've never tithed and it's time for you to say, you know what, I'm not going to rob God anymore. I'm not going to withhold the tithe because this is my covenant with God. You know, I don't know what it is that God wants to say to you personally, but come on, let's all stand before God right now. Father, we thank you that you are a God of abundance. Your kingdom is a, a, a kingdom of prosperity. And Lord, today you've made it just so clear to us from your word in just a few things I've said. But Lord, it's all the way through your Bible that you do far abundantly above. You're a God of abundance, prosperity, more than enough. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And Lord, as we come before you now, we ask you to speak to us individually. We, we desire to be the glorious church in all areas, including this area. Perhaps you're telling us to sell something and bless somebody else. Perhaps you're asking us to sow seed in a way we've never done before, way above our own ability to do it. Father God, we lay hold of your grace today, just like we do in the grace of speech and in all diligence and faith and love. We lay hold of the grace of giving, of being those who are generous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to ask you today, have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? God is a generous God. He sent His only begotten Son to die for you on the cross, to pay the price for all your sin, to give you a relationship with Him as your Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe. He's created your life for good, not for evil. A lovely, wonderful Old Testament verse is, uh, it's not to harm you, it's to do you good, to give you a hope and a, f a future. Why? because he's a generous God. Friend, I'm going to encourage you right now to receive Jesus Christ as Lord, just like I did, you know, 35 years ago on when I was 18 or so years old, 19 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. Somebody gave an appeal like this and, and I said, God, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? I need to know. And I didn't see God, but I knew that I knew that God loved me and Jesus had died for me. Friend, will you pray this prayer with me right now to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Why didn't you say this after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've revealed your love by sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead, to give me life. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Friend, if you've just prayed that prayer the first time or perhaps you've just come back to God, there is a party going on in heaven right now. The Bible says the angels are celebrating and I'm certainly celebrating with you. And uh, there's other things that God wants to encourage you with. We certainly want to get a Bible to you. 
and we'd love you to be involved in a church somewhere. It's really important that you're involved in a church. If you're anywhere near southeast London, we'd love to see you here in Citygate Church. But God bless you. Have a great week. And come on, let's all step into this grace of giving uh, in faith and in expectation of great things in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week.